Our Old Testament reading this morning is found in Daniel 6, verses 16 through 23. That's on page 820 of your pew Bible. So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles, so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him, and he could not sleep. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, May the king live forever. My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me, because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him, because he had trusted in God. We do have an awesome God. I'll be reading Matthew 7, 7 through 11. That's page 895 in your pew Bible. Uh, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. Those who seek find, and to those who knock, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for the bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, through, or if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Uh, It's good to be with all of you this morning. For all of you who don't know me, my name is Jason Whitley. I am the son of Norman and Denise Whitley and brother to Diane Whitley. And it is great to be with all of you on this great morning. Pastor Greg told me that I normally give short short sermons. And so he said that, you know, no worries, only go to 12.15, and so I realize that I have a good 45 minutes, so I'll go for an hour, (laughs) so no worries, we'll be out of here by 12.30, (laughs) just kidding, Um, it's great to be with all of you, I want to start out with a word of prayer, so if you all will bow your heads with me, dear Lord, thank you for this day, I thank you that we're all here and we're all safe. I pray that you be with this sermon, that it may be your words and not mine, and that all this may bring glory and honor to you. And in your name I pray, amen. Well, Pastor Greg uh, told me that, you, that he has been going over God's promises and what he promises to us. And last week he said that he talked about God's promise to protect us. Whenever we're in trouble, God promises to give us protection. And the week before that, he talked about God being able to give us what we need. And I want to talk further on that with God giving us what we need as long as we're humble enough and have the trust and faith in him to ask. 
And I want you all to open up your Bibles, if you can, with me to Daniel 6. Daniel 6, we'll start in verse 1. And in the very beginning, uh, just as a background information, this is the story of Daniel. And it is right after uh, he is under rule of Belshazzar. Belshazzar is Nebuchadnezzar's son. Nebuchadnezzar, who had the dream of the statue of the gold, silver, bronze, and iron. Talking about the powers of kingdoms that will be going down the line in history. And right now, right after uh, Nebuchadnezzar was the golden head of Babylon, we have uh, Belshazzar, his son, who was very conceited and arrogant and believed that he was the dominant reason that Babylon was still in power. And Daniel saw the writings on the wall and told him that he was no longer going to be the king of Babylon and that Babylon would fall. And that night, Darius, king of the Meds and the Persians, took over uh, Babylon that night. And from that night on, we go into the prophecy of Nebuchadnezzar's fall to Babylon. And now the chest of silver of Persia. And King Darius of the Meds and Persians is now in charge. He decided to keep Daniel as uh, second in command. Actually, as it says in verse 1, it says, It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom. Satraps were uh, either princes or governors who were in charge. They were like a senate. And they uh, would always um, watch and make sure that everything was okay. And as we continue in verse 2, it says, With three administrators over them, one of who was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king would not suffer loss. So these guys make sure that absolutely nothing bad ever happens to the kingdom. They watch over the money. They watch over everything. Everything must be approved through these 120 satraps. And there are three people above them, one of them being Daniel. And the interesting thing about Daniel is Daniel is a Jew or an Israelite who was in Babylonian captivity. He was not supposed to be up there at all. But because of Nebuchadnezzar, he was allowed to be placed in a high position because God blessed him. And through his mission, he was allowed to be put in high position and Darius allowed him to stay. And as we continue in verse 3, Now Daniel was so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were not able to do so. They could, not, they could find no corruption in him because of his trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. They, finally, these men said, We will never find any basis for charge against this man, Daniel, unless it has to do something with the law of his God. Now, I don't know how, have you, how many of you have ever been in that situation where you've had someone or people who have tried to plot against you to try to get you in trouble when you know you've done nothing wrong. Uh, this summer, I worked up at Camp Cedar Falls with uh, these two lovely gentlemen with me, Trent, Trevor and Grant Barber. They were terrible workers, and they never did anything I told them. <laughs> Just kidding. They were, they were awesome guys to work with. They gave me a lot of laughs that I'll d definitely be able to live long and prosperous. And uh, when I worked up there, there was this one woman. She was a secretary up there, and she did not 
like me as a boys director. She did not like me being in charge of all the counselors. Um, she tried to find nitpicky ways to get me in trouble. Simple stuff, like uh, the way I dismissed them to go to the cafeteria. Instead of in, uh, dismissing individual cabins to go, I thought that I would be fair and just let all the guys go at once. And she didn't like that. She thought that you know I should uh, dismiss the quietest cabin first and yada yada yada, stupid politics. Pfft, lame. And so I did not like it at all. And so uh, as it continued, she tried to get me in trouble with simple stuff. But this sermon is not about me. It's not my problem. So uh, we'll continue on with the story of Daniel. It's definitely more interesting. And so um, as we continue... In verse 6, the administrators and the satraps went as a group to the king and said, O King Darius, live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or man during the next 30 days, except to you, O king, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, O king, issue this degree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance to the law of the Meds and Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. I would like to point out that in those verses, they lied and flattered the king. I can say they lied because right in the middle, they say that all of the administrators, prefects, satraps, and advisors, governors, have all agreed. They just left out the guy who was second in command, who was about to have control over the entire kingdom, was not part of this. They just lied to the king. And they used their flattery saying, you will live forever, and telling him that this plan is fantastic, and will have everybody serving under you, and it will only make you more powerful. When the only reason that they're planning to say it is to get Daniel in trouble. So this entire plan here is a lie and flattery. And continuing on, in verse 10, we see, Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day he got on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to God, just as he had done before. I find Daniel really inspirational there, praying three times a day. Now, some people, People may say, yeah, I pray three times a day. I pray five times a day. I do not feel like I pray three times a day or even five times. Yes, I pray when I wake up and I say, thank you God for even getting me up. I know I'm dead tired, but you still got me up and I'm very grateful for that. But I never feel like when I pray for meals, like it's actually a prayer. I feel like it's a habit that's been ingrained in my head that I'm not allowed to eat until I say that prayer. I don't know how you guys feel on that, but every single time that I'm praying, I'm like, God bless this food, amen. But then at the same time, if I get food poisoning, I'm not going to be like, God, why did you do this to me? You know, I don't, I never really feel that way. And so I'm really impressed. And not only that, but he leaves his windows open so that everyone can see that he is praying. And even though he just read that they said, you may not worship any other God or man except for the king. And yet he still opens the window, kneels down, and prays to God. In this day and age, we live in a very uh, atheistic world where we don't necessarily go out and show, like, show to the world, like, yeah, I'm a Christian, you know. Bam, kneel on my knees, you know. 
We're not, we're not as strong-headed as these guys were back then. These guys would see God every day in their lives and would just, you know, verbally express about God, about who they are. And today I feel like, for me personally, I've, all of a sudden I found out that everybody else in here all of a sudden started worshiping President Obama. I don't think that I would still get on my knees in front of all of you if I found out that you guys would kill me if I worship God. I don't know if I would necessarily go in front of all of you guys. I may go to my shower and pray in there, but I would not stand and kneel in front of you guys with like my windows open just being like, yo, God, what's up? I'd be very secluded about it. But he decides to be very open about this. And it continues in verse 11. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. Now I want you to remember that last part where it says that he was praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days anyone who prays to any god or man except you, O king, will be thrown into a lion's den? The king answered, The decree stands in accordance to the laws of the Meds and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. Then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles of Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or to the decree that you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. When the king heard of this, he was greatly distressed and was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until the sun came down to save him. That is... Uh, very interesting when you read the the punishments that they had back then. The punishment in when it was Babylon in charge was always through fire, which is why you get the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego being thrown into the lions, uh, the lions den, into the fiery furnace. When they're thrown into the fiery furnace, it was one of the ways that they normally destroyed their criminals. But in the time of the Persians, when the Persians were in power. Persians had a god of fire. And if they were throwing their criminals into a fiery furnace, they considered that an offering to the god, and they thought it was very disrespectful if they were to throw their criminals into there, because it would not be a honorary fire or an honorary sacrifice. So they normally just threw their, god, their criminals into a lion's den. It was very common back then. So this was not something... Sp- spectacular like oh yeah let's make this awesome let's make Daniel get in some serious trouble this was a very common way of killing people back then and another interesting thing is that King Darius it says that in verse 14 that he made every effort until sundown to save him and I find that really interesting just because looking at this you know Daniel is not his son or anything like that. He's not like he has 120 princes underneath him and he's putting Daniel above the sky. Darius is very very close to Daniel. Daniel has helped him in multiple situations. I'm not entirely sure how many years have gone by when Darius has been in control to know how long they've been together, but it's definitely been for some time. And so they're all very close. And now he finds out that he has to throw one of his very close friends, one of his most trustworthy people in the world, he has to throw him into a lion's den and kill him. I don't know about you, but I would not really want to throw my best friend into a lion's den. That's not something on my to-do list. And yet here he has to do it. It's one of the it's one of the laws. A Persian law, you could never a king could never take back what he said. It was never allowed. And so in verse sixteen he has to go through with it. So the king gave order, 
And they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. And the king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. I ask you guys to remember, in verse 11, it says that Daniel was found praying and asking God for help. The entire time, Daniel knew that by praying to God that he was going to get in trouble. And I'm pretty sure that he was there long enough to know that these guys didn't like him. I mean, it's pretty obvious when people don't like you, and it's a big group of them, it's normally pretty easy to tell when they don't like you. So he knew they didn't like him. He knew that this decree was sent out to kill him. So he's praying to God, asking for help. And yet here in in verse 16, Darius is asking God for help. May your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. Even there, he is giving a shout out to Daniel through God, saying, please help Daniel. Both of them are asking for God's help. And as we see in 17, a stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and the rings of his nobles, so that the situation may not be changed. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating, without any entertainment being brought to him, and he could not sleep. I'm pretty sure that if my best friend was thrown into a lion's den, I wouldn't be sleeping either. So obviously these guys, again, are very, very close that his own wife couldn't entertain him, or wives could not entertain him. And yet, here, there's, he's still having a hope that Daniel will be okay. Whatever Daniel's going through, he will still make it out on the other side. And so at 19, at the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to rescue you from the lion's den? Daniel answered, O king, live forever. My God sent his angels and shut the mouths of the lion. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in your sight. Nor have I ever done anything wrong before you, O king. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wounds were found on him because he had trusted in God. Crazy. Not only did Darius have enough faith that God would save him. If I had found out the night before that my friend was thrown into the lion's den, I don't think I would check in the morning. I'd be pretty positive that he would be dead. I wouldn't go and check. But yet, King Darius had enough hope and enough trust in God that he still ran out there in the middle of the night after you know, a good 12 hours of him being in there. He still pulls it over and still asks. And the amazing thing is he says, Daniel, servant of the living God. He does not say of a God, just like all the other Persians God, of a living God, not an idol, Not anything like that. He believes, he has hope that this God is living. And it's proven proven when Daniel says, O king, live forever. And he walks out because he hasn't done anything wrong. I'm not going to continue with the rest of the story. There are children here. So, we're not going to continue with the rest of that. But, at the end of verse 11, when it says, he asked for help. Daniel asked God for help. And King Darius, when he said, May your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. 
He is reaching out. Both of them are reaching out and asking God for help. Will you please provide the needs to keep me alive? And yet God still decides, after being asked, he decides to grant them their wish and gives them exactly what they need and he shuts the mouth of the lion. And I find that awesome. And it reminds me of another verse and actually a song that we used to sing as a kid. Uh, I real, always have to thank the Morfords and Lays for this because they always sang the song, uh, Seek Ye First, The Kingdom of God. I'll never forget that song. It's just such an awesome song, but it's, uh, the verse is found in Matthew 7, verses 7 to 11. And it says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened unto you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. To him who knocks, the door will be open. Which of you... If his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will you give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give to those who ask? God will give us what we need, just as he promised. All we have to do is ask. In which then, I propose a question to you. How well do you know God? It's very simple. Because the more you trust in God, the more likely you are to actually believe that it will happen. For instance, when I worked this summer up at Cedar Falls, I had 18 guys underneath me. By the end of the summer, I knew exactly what these guys could and could not do. I knew that if I asked them to go somewhere that they would go and do it. And I knew that if I asked Trevor to do it, he would do it. And if I asked Grant to do it, it would take longer. (laughs) Just kidding. But I knew that these guys could do it. I had the trust and faith that they would do exactly what I said. And I knew that in return, that if I did what they asked of me, that I knew that I would gain their respect through it. And in the same sense here, this is exactly what we need with God. We can't trust God. We can't have faith in Him if we don't know Him. If we sit there every day and just say, you know, yeah, I know God, I know the Scripture, I know what He says, but you don't actually walk and try to understand more about God, you will never know His limits, because there are no limits. And so I ask you guys today, I invite you to a challenge, to be like Daniel. Daniel worshipped three times every day, giving thanks to God. And in my opinion, that did not include meals. Every single day, he would just get on his knees and pray and talk to God. And I invite you guys to take that challenge every day to try to get closer to God, to try to have a relationship with Him. Because the more that you trust in God, the more of a relationship you have, the more you believe that He will actually move the mountains. And I pray that for all of you that you may uh, try this challenge. And so I ask you one more time, how much do you trust in God? Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for this day. And I thank you 
that you have given us the story of Daniel, that we may understand your promises to protect us, your promise to fulfill our needs. And I ask that we may uh, be able to have a closer relationship with you, that we may understand that you have no limits, and that anything that we ask for at any time, that you will be able to offer it to us, and that you will give us exactly what we need. And I pray that as you be with us, that, we, that you may keep us safe throughout this week until we meet again next week. This is my prayer in the presence of Jesus. Amen.